Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat. And the Pittsburgh Penguins offseason enters week six or seven. I lose track all the time, but it moves on, and the Penguins general manager search also continues to move on into this week. It seems like a resolution might be coming rather quickly. To that, And we'll talk about that in our second segment. Of course, there is the Kyle Dubas of it all, which we will discuss in our second segment. We'll also talk a little bit about Sidney Crosby's offseason shenanigans. We'll f- draft our Pittsburgh Penguins flip cup teams. But Horwat, the best place to start is with an all-time legend. Yarmir Yager was back in Pittsburgh over the weekend. Kind of unbeknownst to most of the general public, I didn't know that he was going to be back in Pittsburgh, but not only was he back in Pittsburgh, he was in PPG Paints Arena, taking in the arena for the first time since his playing days ended in the NHL, I should say. His playing days are still alive and well in Czechia, but at the NHL playing days ended back in 2016-17. So, Yager back in Pittsburgh. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I'm impressed by whatever uh, sports card collection it was that got three of probably the most elusive uh, former Penguins of all time for their for a signing. It was Yager, uh, Paul Coffey, and Tom Barrasso. You pulled Tom Barrasso out of whatever he's doing in wherever to, to be back in Pittsburgh. <clears throat> I think, honestly, that was the most impressive part. But, I mean, come on now. The Yager stories have kind of been flowing... Uh, pretty fluently the last couple couple years because every season we go into uh, it's the immediate discussion of okay what's the Yager situation is he still playing he's still playing all right put the put the further discussions off for a little bit longer um, this time around though it seemed a little bit more legit he was in Pittsburgh for in the first time since who knows likely since he played here with Florida before retiring I mean. I don't know if he had traveled back in any other time since. <clears throat> uh, and he was here and he got the tour of tour of the arena, tour of the Penguin side of things, which I'm sure he's had before, but uh, he had a little gift waiting for him, right? Yeah, he had that reverse retro Yarmir Yager jersey, which, of course, he donned as captain of the Pittsburgh Penguins between 1998 and 2001. And listen, Yarmir Yager is an all-time legend, and you mentioned it. Everybody's always wondering, hey, 
You know, is he still playing? Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess the status quo then. Even Phil Bork, who talked about it on 32 Thoughts, the podcast, a few months ago, and by a few months, I think early in the year, like January, February, he was on there, said he visited Yager, and Yager's plan, at least in Yager's head, the way he would love to see it go is the Penguins go over for the Global Series, play in Czechia, he announces his retirement with the Penguins in attendance, and then he follows them back for a Jersey retirement. But I'm impatient, Horwat. I say, you know what? This guy is not going to play NHL hockey again. Like, there is a 99% chance that 51-year-old Yarmir Yager is not going to play hockey again. And there's no better time to retire his jersey than the beginning of next season. The beginning of the new era by celebrating one of the older eras. The new era meaning whoever's general manager, Sidney Crosby's real last effort at a Stanley Cup. Start that off with a positive note. Retire Yarmir Yager's jersey at the home opener next year. That's what I would like to see. I understand that they want to wait for him to officially retire from the game of hockey. I understand that the Hockey Hall of Fame has that as a bylaw that they have to wait five years after official retirement from hockey, but there's no rules when it comes to this. Just retire his jersey. Right, there's no rules when it comes to that sort of thing. Uh one thing, though, whenever you say the home opener, I think we had this discussion last someone's home opener ago. Uh, that's just not an event you do on a home opener for reasons of other pomp and circumstance that happens on those days. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so maybe like a few games in, you, know, you get the people in for the home opener because they're going to be there anyway. Essentially, it's a selling ploy, right? That's kind of what draws people to a Jersey retirement game. You, people are coming to the home opener anyway. No matter how good or bad the team is, look at the Pirates every year. They sell that game out. That's used to be the traditional one sellout a year. And then the occasional fireworks night if you got lucky. Uh, for the Penguins, no matter how good or bad they are, the home opener will be sold out. And then maybe you give them a game off. Maybe the third game or something if you see sales already dwindling. Uh, but yeah, it's do it early as, as early as possible. Get it. Get it in, get it out of the way, get it while the morale is still high, and I mean, I guess it just has to line up with his schedule, because he is still, you know, the owner of that team he plays for in, uh, in Czechia, so a lot of different moving pieces, but it seems like the groundwork was already laid, and it really does seem like now that uh, the seeds are being planted. We're talking with him in person, we're showing him around, there was that phenomenal photo of Kevin Acklin showing him the... <laughs> Showing him the rafters. Um, yeah, so it's feels like it'll be well on its way. It's just a matter of timing when when they want to do it then. Yeah, when, not if. We all know that Yarbeer Yager's jersey will forever be immortalized in the Pittsburgh Penguins rafters right there alongside Michelle Breer and his 21 and uh, Mario Lemieux and his 66. The, the big question to me is, though, is does it happen next season? Because for a long time it was... You know, nobody really talked about Yarmir Yager in the sense of present day and when that was going to happen. But then last year, with the return of the RoboPen, obviously all the feels, all the memory, all the nostalgia got brought up. Jason Zucker does the salute. Yarmir Yager responds on his Twitter. And then you have the Phil Bork story. And then you have the Penguins corroborating, yeah, we do have plans. Like, we would like to do this. It seems like there's more steam now. And it feels like while, yes, there's still no true indicator that he's going to be done playing hockey, 
and there's no true indicator that he's going to have a lot of free time during the hockey season because, as you mentioned, he is the owner of that team in Clad now. It just feels like this is not something they're going to draw out for six years, right? It feels like this is something that, especially considering the fact that Crosby, Malkin, and Latang only have a couple years left, you don't want to have that ceremony with a 32nd place Pittsburgh Penguins team. I understand you might want to keep that bullet in the chamber to get some people in the building, but considering where the Penguins are at in their franchise history, I think next year would be the perfect time to do it. Whether or not that's how it logistically could work out, that's up to Yager and the Penguins to figure out. But it feels like the timing-wise and feels like the narrative-wise, next year would be the nice culmination of a, a one-year process of, hey, Yager's really back in the forefront of people's minds, Penguins fandom's minds, Pittsburgh's minds. There's a one-year process here where they used to start dropping seeds to eventually lead up to the eventual retirement of the jersey number. Yeah, and I think this upcoming season does make a lot of sense. Uh, and I think it could work out. I mean, like you said, he's not going to play in the NHL again. That's really the biggest uh, piece you need to move. Another interesting... I don't know how much this will go into it at all. In fact, it probably doesn't go into it at all. Um but I was just at the arena for the Blink-182 show, and I noticed that, obviously, they're in the middle of renovating, so they have the scoreboard taken down. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the scoreboard being taken down, there's going to be some adjustments to how the banners lay out uh, uh, among the rafters. I noticed that uh, the the American flag was moved, the Canadian flag was down, and both Briere and Lemieux's numbers were also good down. Either down and like put in storage or down and behind a curtain. Uh, but regardless, adjustments are already happening, so well, there's got to be some symmetry up there, too. I'm the it, nerd that looks at that kind of thing. Yeah, I will say, of course, if you remember correctly, which I know you do, you spent several nights there this season. Those were above the scoreboard, so with them trying to put up the new scoreboard, it would make sense that they would be taking those down to mm-hmm. try to figure everything else out. So yeah. I wouldn't read too much into that, um, but at no, the same at time... All, but... Uh, yeah, definitely. I, I would I would say it's probably Lemieux in the center. They're probably just like making like moving stuff around for the sake of the scoreboard and getting oh, oh and yeah adjusting uh, from there. One hundred percent. But I'm saying when the three go up because it's going to be three. You're not going to add a fourth or a fifth in the next couple of seasons. Uh, I would imagine Mario Lemieux goes in the middle and probably is propped up a little bit. They'll figure it out. I would they got designers. That's what I would do. I mean, listen, Yarmir Yager. Not to take anything against him. One of the greatest, as you mentioned in your story for Inside the Penguins and the Hockey News. One of the greatest players, not just in Penguins history, but in the history of hockey itself. Certainly doesn't deserve to be denigrated in any way. But Mario Lemieux is God, right? Like, there's no disputing the fact that in Pittsburgh, Mario Lemieux is the sports figure. At least to Penguins fans and to people who follow the Penguins. And there's an argument to be made. Obviously, there's Steelers diehards that will have the conversation of, you know, Joe Green is up there. There's Pirates fans that will say, listen, Roberto Clemente, and they all have their own greatness. But Mario Lemieux is is the guy, especially in Penguins hockey. So I don't think there's anything against Yarmir Yager in saying that Lemieux should be propped up above his and, and Briere's actual banner. Not that this is really a conversation that matters, but it's just in my head, that's what I'm picturing, and I just want to make sure that I get it out there, that I'm not trying to diss Yarmir Yager, I'm not trying to 
discredit anything that Yarmir Yager did for the organization because as many people who watched the team back then will know, if it wasn't for Yager, this team might also have been moved. It's not just Mario Lemieux that kept this team in Pittsburgh. Correct, absolutely. So we're going to take a quick break. That was a fun little side conversation. And, and I I explained this episode to you, or at least I outlined this episode to you, Horwat, as two really just nonsensical topics. Like, Yarmer Yager literally came into Pittsburgh for an autograph signing, and we read into it a whole lot, which most people did. We're going to finish the show by talking about Sidney Crosby's off-season travels, which, again, not a very heavy-hitting topic, but it's a sandwich, which means the meat is in the middle and the meat is up next. We're going to talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins' general manager search as yet another chapter is unfolding towards the end of the book of the general manager search. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Before my laptop dies, I should probably plug it in. That would be helpful. That would be helpful. Especially because we're talking about something vastly important right here, Horwat, and certainly near and dear to your heart, and that is the Penguins general manager search. I'm sure you are very excited for the day when you don't have to have that be the first, second, and third story you write on the day. But Elliot Friedman of 32 Thoughts mentioned that the Penguins were very close to ending the search, and who knows, it might have been over at this moment if not for a certain now former general manager, of the Toronto Maple Leafs in Kyle Dubas. He has changed those apparent plans, whether it is Fenway Sports Group just doing due diligence. This is a big name on the market. We have the position still open. We would be foolish as FSG and as John Henry to say, okay, we're not going to look at him. So as of now, the search is still on. But do you genuinely believe that there's a chance that Kyle Dubas becomes the next general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins, or is this just due diligence? We're going to get the guy in and have a conversation with him at least. I feel like it's it's definitely bare minimum due diligence, but when it comes down to it, um, who else? I mean, who's a bigger name that we could that we could nab right now? Who else? Like who? What other free agent general manager? What other free agent president of hockey operations trumps this name? What other play? What not player? What other front office figure stands above Kyle Dubas in this conversation? If they do, they already have a job, and even then, they're still few and far between. No matter what situation you're in, no matter where you are in your process, like, like we mentioned, we could have had the announcement yesterday, but the fact that the whole Kyle Dubas situation went down, the way it went down, the the Brandon Shanahan bomb dropping of a press conference himself reopened that door to Kyle Dubas wanting to continue. We all know that he said, you know, it's Toronto or nothing, but then he told Toronto, I'd like to stay. His agent sent over the, sent over the new financial package. I like how that's how they put it, by the way, the financial package, my demands, Uh, my (laughs) here's, here's the blank check. You fill it in demands. Um, 
And by according to Shanahan, at that point they he had already moved on in his head pretty much. Um, it's a lot of it kind of seemed like a slap in the face to toward Kyle Dubas. And if you know, m- first of all, money talks. So if whenever you say Toronto or nothing, your fat check will uh, all of a sudden get rid of that nothing. So there's that part of it. But also, who knows if this reignites some reignited something. Uh, under Kyle Dubas, just all of a sudden the, oh, this is how you're going to treat me on my way out, that's enough of that, I have had the conversation with my family, it was quick, we all agree, we're going on a revenge tour, could be anywhere, the vacancies are now pretty slim now that Philly has filled their role, Calgary is supposed to announce theirs today, and and unless someone wants to fire someone, (laughs) uh, we're the only spot he's got left, and that being said, of course, many teams would fire whoever they have for Kyle Dubas. But I don't know how realistic it is, but I feel like there's no one better. You know, I know I said before on this show that um, he's my top. he would be my top priority. I think he still is, even if I've had a list grow on me. <laughs> but I think... He's the guy that you would stop your entire operation for to see his to see where he is in his mind. Now, I don't know if I would go that far because I look at some of the other candidates that have been rumored to be out there, some of the candidates that have been confirmed to have gotten interviews. And while, yes, Kyle Dubas, obviously, when you are the general manager for half a decade in the biggest hockey market in the world and you have these marketable stars and you're in the playoffs every year and the only thing that's seemingly in your way is a a 16-year-old curse that you then got past, yeah, it seems like you should be one of the top general manager prospects on the market. And I do agree that he is one of the top. I won't go as far to say that he is above and beyond anybody else because I would say some of these other candidates... I would be perfectly fine if they got instead of Kyle Dubas. And I don't think that the discrepancy is as wide for some of these assistant general managers as it was for Kyle Dubas being the general manager. A guy like Eric Tolsky, who we'll talk about, I think would be a phenomenal signing. And as Rob Rossi outlined in his article and The Athletic, Eric Tolsky vastly impressed everybody in the Penguins organization, right? With his interview with everything that he's done in Carolina, with the the fact that even though the team is down 3-0 to to the Florida Panthers, a team that just seems destined for greatness, the Carolina Hurricanes are built well. And a lot of that goes to Eric Tulski, as we've mentioned multiple times over this search. With Kyle Dubas, though, it is interesting because he does check a lot of the boxes that the Penguins set out and laid out in front of us at the beginning of this search. There were obviously the rumors that, hey, they want to build out their their analytics department. Kyle Dubas is a poster child for that. And I think the Penguins right now, kind of skeleton staff, I believe there's three or four people on their analytics department, will probably be vastly excited if a guy like Kyle Dubas is the new general manager. It's like, oh, thank Lord, finally the job we're doing is going to be heard by somebody. So... It certainly checks a lot of the boxes, and I would not be shocked in the least. I mean, listen, if they were literally about to announce it yesterday or today, and then Dubis is available on Friday, and they're like, whoa, hold up, hold up. We're going to 
we're going to take another week here and just make sure we talk to this man. There's obviously interest further than just checking a box to say you interviewed him. Like there is more than just the baseline interest in Kyle Dubas. The question then becomes when he interviews, where does he see the team going? What does he think a good plan of action is for the team? How would he like to build out his hockey ops staff? And if that aligns with Fenway Sports Group, there could be some interesting maneuvering here. I mentioned the Rossi piece. You sent me a snippet of it yesterday, and then I went through and read it myself. A Dubas-Tulski pairing would be the best of both worlds, would it not? I mean, it would be everything that everybody has asked for over the past six weeks. Whether that's the right decision remains to be seen, right? Even when this this general manager is hired, we're not going to know if it's the right decision. That's a two, three years down the road kind of thing. And it, it's going to take Armageddon levels of screw-up, i.e. Ron Hextall, to be able to come to a determination other than that in less than that time. So it's interesting that Dubis just blew up the Penguins GM search by being available and he wouldn't be a serious contender. I think he's a serious contender. And honestly, I, I know that we've seen from several outlets, Darren Dreger has put it out there. Elliot Friedman, as we've mentioned, has put it out there. Rob Rossi has reported it. Matthew Darsh, Eric Tulski, Kyle Dubas, Jason Carmanos, Dan McKinnon, all very serious names. Some of them even going over to the owner, John Henry's house, uh, for a conversation and what I would I would hope would be a dinner, not just, hey, let's come over and, and talk. So an interesting search has another wind in it because of Kyle Dubas. It's going to be an interesting ending that could be as soon as, honestly, could be as soon as this, this episode is done. I'm hoping it's not till like Thursday or Friday. You'd have to hope it's not, at least until we're done recording, but... I mean, yeah, the Dubas-Tolsky pairing is the... It's Whenever this whole shebang started, it was the two leaders of the pack on Twitter, right? It was, we want Dubas or we want Tolsky. So, and the Penguins flew in and said, why not both, guys? I, I mean, that's a great... Watch, watching those two cook would be incredible. <laughs> Genuinely, I, we, would, we would all love to see what those two could can, can come up with especially with this team in the direction that it may want to go in. And there's a lot of question marks that still surround the player personnel of this team. The only thing that anyone's been focused on uh, with the Penguins the last couple weeks is the front office search, and that's totally fair. Because we can't really have the discussions of player personnel until that is decided, Yeah, really. I mean, you want to tell me right now, yeah, here's what we should do with Jason Zucker. Okay. Does he fit the mold of... And turn name here, Jason Carmanos? We don't know. So we can't really have the player discussions until uh, someone is hired. And if it is Dubas and Tolski, that's exactly what we're looking for, right? That's the number one, the number two put together. The only holdback I have there is that apparently there was a bit of a power struggle in Toronto with Dubas. He wanted full autonomy there. There was a bunch of different moving pieces that also had say in things. Um, so I don't know if he would be okay. I don't know if, if Dubas comes in, I think he comes in alone. And just mm -hmm. him, President GM. You might get an AGM somewhere. Depends who it is. Uh, 
but I don't see him coming in and then having a GM with him. I think he wants his autonomy. Uh, um, but still, uh, you can always hold out hope and anything is possible for that. Uh, if not, though, Tolski is a great option. And the fact that he aced his interviews like that, also great stuff. We're, there are going to be no bad answers here. Everyone is going to be a step up from Ron Hextall. All of these names are positive changes. And regardless of who it is, it'll be a fun ride. Yeah, I don't know if I want to say there's going to be no wrong answers because usually that happens and, and you get bit in the butt. Uh, there's no wrong answers. And the new general manager is Stan Bowman. That's the wrong answer. Uh, maybe not as bad as Ron Hextall at the job, but uh, certainly a wrong answer in its own right. But no, when it comes to Dubas and the power struggle in Toronto, I don't know how the Toronto Maple Leafs front office no, no, works. Yeah. I've never been there. I understand why there might be a, a power struggle because the owners are a guy and two massive media entities. And then there's also Brendan Shanahan, who, let's not forget, former NHL legend, which means he probably has a little bit of an ego. And that's fine. Most NHL legends have an ego. And this young hotshot that never played in the league comes in and says, I know what's better for the team than you. Let me cook. The NHL legend's going to look at him and be like, really? You you want to you wanna go against what I think? That's where I think it might be a little different. Because it's not like Dubas would be hired as a general manager and then a president of hockey ops comes in. In that sense, I agree with you. I don't think if Dubas is general manager alone, I don't think there's going to be somebody above him in that capacity. Now, if Dubas is in as president of hockey ops and he has control or at least has say-so over the general manager or at least has veto power over the general manager, I don't think that would be an issue. So the whole Dubas-Tolsky thing in, in that sense I think would work. But then there was also that little wrinkle that Rossi put in that – they are also, the Penguins, looking for a conduit between hockey operations and ownership. Brian Burke clearly wasn't fitting the bill as that. And a name that was thrown out there was Ed Olchek. We don't have to go deep onto Eddie O. Obviously, has experience in the Penguins organization, was head coach with the Pittsburgh Penguins back in the day. What do you think about Ed Olchek in that type of role? Because I really feel like that role is is really just... A middleman and somebody yeah. to fill up the uh, the luxury suites at PPG Paints Arena, so people don't keep saying, "Hey, where's Fenway Sports Group?" Oh, it's Eddie O. He's there. Yeah, I I don't totally hate it because it doesn't because it doesn't seem like he would have too much say, if any, like on the actual hockey team, right? Yeah. He'd just kind of be there reporting between FSG and the team, reporting between the team and FSG. Kind of just that middleman, the messenger, uh, which I it, it's an inter it is an interesting wrinkle that well, why couldn't you know, Dubas just get Tom Henry on the line? <sighs> you know, it's there is a little well, why 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 there's a bit there's a little bit of a why to it, right? But mm. it, it, for what it's worth, I mean, Eddie O is probably a great choice for this position, right? You're not he's not making the decisions. He's not, you know, signing guys. He's not the one at the other end of the negotiating table trying to have a free agent take less money. He's just kind of there giving the nuance and feeding the information to ownership. Uh, yeah, you know what? It's a solid person. Plus, it's a good name. He's a good face to stick out in front of the crowd if you need to, right? <laughs> yeah. Whenever, 
you look down at, I mean, how we look, we've had we've had Hextall and Burt for the last couple seasons. We know Burt didn't talk pretty much at all. Hextall talked rarely. Now, obviously, that wouldn't continue with Kyle Dubas unless that was just the market he was in in Toronto. Again, Dubas will have way less time in front of a behind a microphone now if he comes yeah. here. First of all, and he camera. won't have the is it, he won't have that steady cam on his box every game. Um, sorry, every time the Penguins tweet, that my heart stops. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they won't have he wouldn't have that sort of attention on him. So. You can give, you can throw that attention toward Eddie O. He's been on, he's been in broadcast for the last twenty years. Basically, he knows what to do in front of a camera. He can also kind of become not the face of these guys, but he can be a mouthpiece if they need an extra mouthpiece, which is yeah. a great po- a great position for him as well. So there's a lot of good things that can come from it. But you know, initial reaction when you see that name, you go, oh my god, why? Well, but and, and here's once you start thing. thinking about it, you realize it. Yeah, and here's the thing: it's not like Edzo's a, a a bad hockey mind. Like, it's not like, hey, Brian Burke, who's been spewing all this this crazy stuff all over whatever TV station he worked for before he, he came back to the Pittsburgh Penguins and into the hockey ops role. It's not like, oh, I I disagree with ninety percent of what he said. It's not like they're hiring Barry Melrose for that position, right? And even if you still do have the fact that, hey they're not going to have a heavy hand on what happens to the actual team, which is the fallback. I, I have no issue with Eddie O in this position. I think one of the things is, yeah, you're a messenger and that's, you know, it is what it is. And the second part of that job is probably the best job you can get in all the sports. The best job you can get basically in the entirety of the universe. You're a consultant, which basically means you're there to give advice when asked. You have no real responsibility. Just, hey, I have a question. Can you answer it? You answer the question. Then you go puff on your cigar in the backyard and get ready for your tea time at 10 a.m. So that would be great for Edzo. Like, that would be great for Edzo. And also, if you're building a hockey ops department for the future, you're trying to turn the corner because this team has been superstar career, superstar career for 30-plus years. You're looking at a future that, unless... Austin Matthews, who's might not sign an extension this summer, wants to follow his buddy Kyle Dubas to Pittsburgh. Unless that crazy situation happens, you're probably going to go a couple seasons for the first time since 1981 without a superstar. You need to be able to build in different ways. You need to be able to think in different ways. And if it is, again, hypothetical, Kyle Dubas and Eric Tolsky, I love that. You love that. Everybody listening to this, or at least the majority of people listening to this, I feel like have like minds as us, would really like that. There is something to be said about having an experienced hockey mind like Edzo, who's been around the game longer than both of these guys, to say, also, think about this. Also, I like the angle you're going in. What about this angle? It brings a different level, and you're expanding the reach, expanding the knowledge of your hockey ops department. And at the end of the day, that is never a bad thing. Yes, you're, you're, you're absolutely right about that. There's a couple directions that I also want to take this conversation, because A, what are Kyle Dubas and Eric Tolsky really known for? It's analytics. Yes. Okay, we... I think we've seen time and time again, analytics are great. You cannot win on analytics alone. You do, you do still need a little bit of that old hockey guy mind 
And that's what Eddie O can bring into this. He doesn't have full say. He doesn't have all of the control that you know Hextall and Burke did. But he can have a little say of, those analytics are great. Can we also bring in a little bit of a grinder? Just a little bit of a, a little bit of a Josh Archibald type, just to get some juice flowing, more than just the numbers, because um, those are the, the that extra piece can push you over the edge. And also, it sounds like it's a role that he'd be building toward becoming a GM somewhere else. It sounds like it's a foot in the door, a lower rung on the ladder of climbing in the NHL front office space for Eddie O. So it's. Not a starting point for him. I mean, he's been a head coach, but he's also been in broadcast, like I said, for almost 20 years now. He, if he wants to get into, you know, general managing, maybe becoming a president of Hockey Ops one day somewhere, or doing other front office things, he's got to get his foot in the door somewhere. They're not, we're not just going to hire broadcasters willy-nilly. We're not the Philadelphia Flyers. So, we're putting a smaller stamp on him and letting him work his way up. That's kind of also what it sounds like to me. Yeah, either that or he's just wants a little bit less of a schedule than the broadcast schedule of covering Absolutely. the Chicago Blackhawks and just says, you know, this would be a nice, easy thing to do and I would still get paid a, a hefty ton of money and be able to be around the game that I love. And that's yeah. honestly, like I said, the best job in the world. If anybody ever offers me a decent salary to be a consultant, I will not think about it twice. Right, I will. I will not think about it twice. If you're offering me good money and good security to consult, I will say thank you very much. Can I have a bonus to get new golf clubs? Because that is basically, in most of those positions, if you if you get a good job as a consultant, one of the one of the best gigs in the world. Uh, so if Ed, if Edzo gets that, good on Edzo. Like I, I'll play some golf with you if you if you can. Uh, Spare the time, and we'll we'll have an interview on Tip of the Iceberg podcast. But no, the, the general manager search for the Pittsburgh Penguins continues. The Kyle Dubas of it all does add a chapter to it. We might have had the end of the book. We might have been in I, – I don't I don't read very much. I was going to say the prelude, but the prelude is the beginning. So whatever the, uh, the you know, the thank yous and the table, whatever. The glossary, I don't, I don't know. I don't read. But uh, we are great. towards the end of it. We are towards the end of it. That's what I'm getting at, my stupid self. Uh, but we are towards the end of it. We'll see what happens. Uh, like we said, some of the names out there from different sources, i.e. Darren Dreger, Elliot Friedman, Rob Rossi. That's where I've seen these. That's why I'm crediting those folks. Kyle Dubas, Matthew Darsh, Eric Tulski, Jason Carmanos, Dan McKinnon, and also one I haven't mentioned on this episode, uh, but I believe is still in the running is Jason Botterill. Uh, Yeah, that's an interesting one. I His think name's because... kind of stopped being in rotation. Over the yeah. past weekend, which is it's interesting. Been a, yeah, it's been a little confusing on him specifically because it's he's definitely interviewed. I don't know if he made second round interviews, but that may have been because he wanted more than what we may have been willing to offer for him specifically. Don't know. Uh, essentially, though, it is he was in the interview process um, and things have conflicted from there. There you go. Well... We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, let's draft our Penguins Flip Cup team as Horowat. That's going to be a hard-hitting segment. We'll be right back.
and welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Every year, Horwat, once the Penguins are done playing, it takes about a month, and then you start hearing stories about, hey, Sidney Crosby popped up here. Hey, Sidney Crosby popped up here. And every time you hear it, it's, oh, what a nice guy that 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 guy is, that Crosby guy. He's doing such good things. Well, it's that time of the year. So let's talk about some of the things that we've seen, right? Last year, it was the Celebrate with the Colorado Avalanche Tour. This year, he doesn't have anybody's currently in the Stanley. Well, he probably does, but nobody that close to where you're going to say, hey, he won the cup. I bet Crosby's going to be around him all summer. Uh, there's nobody like that left. One story emerged from Reddit. Crosby was in the Bahamas, which another little conduit of this. Man, Sidney Crosby travels a lot after the season. Deservedly so, but dang, I wish I had his travel schedule. Yeah, I think I overheard him during locker cleanout day. I forget who he was talking with, discussing how much he was going to try and travel this summer because he had the time. Hey, when you have the time, you have the time. You got to do it. He really hasn't had this much time since he was 18 years old. So, uh, good for him. But he was in the Bahamas at one point this offseason. A family recognized him at dinner. And while most of them were nervous to go up to him, the younger daughter, fearless as she was, was not nervous, went up to him and said, hey, can I get a picture with you? And honestly, good for that daughter. Good for that daughter. I understand not wanting to, and if you're an adult, understandably so, I don't want to bother the man on his vacation. But if you're young, you don't know any better, go get that picture. Go do it. Why not? And of course, Sidney Crosby, the consummate professional, went over, talked a little bit, took some pictures, and then eventually picked up the family's tab. Cut and paste, we see that story about Sidney Crosby almost every offseason, right? Yeah, that's the... Usually, yeah, it's... There was just a little bit more to it because it was uh, the 10-year-old girl that just said, ah, I'll go over. Be right back, guys. Peace. <laughs> yeah, not afraid, which I love it. And then there's the other story, which we're going to get a lot more into because this story sends us a little bit deeper into the enigma of Sidney Crosby off the ice. Justin Thomas. For those who don't know who Justin Thomas is, he's a professional golfer. A professional golfer that has not been good this year. He has not. Uh, shot last weekend, I think, plus 12. He made the cut at the PGA Championship in Oak Hill, which was just a, a golf course of horrors for the most part over the weekend. But then he finished plus 12 on the tournament and far, far away from anywhere near the top 10. Thankfully, I didn't take him to finish top 10. But he also... Missed the cut at the Masters. It's unfortunate. But what do you do when you miss the cut at the biggest event of the year? You go on a golf trip, I guess. <laughs> he went on a little trip on a vacation with a couple buddies and runs into Sidney Crosby, who apparently, and I, I didn't know this, you might have known this, Horwat, takes a handful of Pittsburgh Penguins on a golf trip after every season. Interesting. That makes I, I didn't know that, but that totally makes sense for, uh, for Sid specifically. I mean... Dude, uh, dude has a couple of golf stories himself. You could probably go out and find them. And, uh, I mean, he played with Justin Schultz for a couple of years, who, if I remember correctly, won. Oh, uh, him and Joe Pavelski usually fight for best golfer in the NHL mm -hmm. uh, year after year. So, But as the story goes, and this was from, I can't remember the podcast name, but there was a podcast. There's a story on Inside the Penguins. Go check that out and then link to the podcast. I also tweeted it out on my personal uh, so check that out if you want to hear the actual story being told. Uh, but 
Thomas and his buddies ran into Crosby and more of the Penguins at dinner, and the two went back and forth, seeing, sending things over to each other's tables, a la, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. See, I, I produce a show that's it's always game day in Cincinnati. Ah. My brain did not go in the right direction there. But, you know, Is... some, some of the fun stuff sent, 2% milk, salt water that was made to look like a tequila shot, a single piece of lettuce with a singular crouton on top of it. I mean, these guys having the time of their lives, right? And I'm sure, listen, if you're the service industry worker working between those two tables, you have to be having the time of your life because you know you're also going to get tipped majorly to just mess with people. And that is the dream for any servant. Like if you've worked in a restaurant as a server, as a barback, as a bartender, You've dreamed of just messing with some of your customers in this way. So to do it and know that you're going to get tipped for it, that had to be a great time. Oh yeah, and apparently the uh, apparently the waiter was all for it. He was all in, all in. Just uh, you know, we don't know if he knew who these people were, but he just knew that this was going to be a fun little uh, adventure for him, a good story <laughs> for him to tell. And yeah, I want to know: did that sort of sending things back and forth did that originate with it's always sunny because i feel like i've seen it in a couple of other things it just seems like a common it's a common thing yeah it is a but common I just... thing I, the the one that came to my mind and the one that was in the story as well yeah was it's always sunny um but no that's that's happened for a lot longer than the last 10 years people have done that uh but that's not the fun part to me i mean all of that cool fun and games it's an interesting story the fun part was Sidney Crosby apparently sucks at Flip Cup. Apparently, he was the anchor for his team, and every single time, the guy on the other team that was the anchor waited for Crosby to be up and then just buried him each and every single time. So apparently, Sidney Crosby is not good at Flip Cup, and I don't blame him because, listen, the kid was drafted to the NHL at the age of 18. He didn't go to college. I know he went to boarding school. I know he went to a bunch of different places. I don't blame the guy. He's always been professional, professional, professional. Yeah, he might suck at flip cup. He's probably bad at beer pong. Probably not great at cornhole. Yeah, he's good at golf. But that what hockey player isn't good at golf? Because they have the time every single summer. So apparently he's bad at flip cup. Which brings me to this. Which penguin would you want on your flip cup team? That's what we're going to do here, Horwat, to close out this episode. We're going to say teams of four, which means we're on the team. We get to pick three Pittsburgh Penguins each to be on our Flip Cup team, and you have to give a reason why. You can't just be like, him because, uh, sure. Like, there, there needs to be some reasoning behind it, Horwat. And you mm -hmm. know what? Since I'm such a nice guy, I'll give you the first pick. The pick of a litter, I see. So does the mind, the, the mind immediately goes to anyone that went, that played in college, right? Yes. Pretty much. And that, that that's a still a large list on the Penguins. Always has been, right? Yeah, the, they're a team that quite often likes to pick from the college ranks yeah and you gotta not only pick from the college ranks but you gotta find the gamers the ones that you know as much as, like drew o'connor went to college yes but who went to an ivy league school i don't Gonna, know though those brainiacs you, those brainiacs right. like to let loose but he's also 24 i mean doesn't seem like he had too much time there that being said brian russ is the first pick for me Mm. Notre Dame alum. Uh, also, just like I said, he seems like the gamer. It's not just that he went to college, and my, my, I might find myself picking a non-college guy, but he's a gamer, right? He knows, he's competitive, 
and he seems like he'd have that aura of him of just that agility to just it's it's all about that cup flip you, anyone can drink a little bit of beer or whatever they want, want in their cup it's all about that flip though mm. i feel like uh brian rust guy that has that agility brian rust seems like he would be i mean you go to notre dame we all know what notre you know notre dame holier than art thou it's it's a party school it is a lot of a party school uh but along those lines since you left him open and listen, I get it. Brian Rust, shooters shoot, right? Mm-hmm. There's another shooter that went to college on this team. And a shooter that has had much more success than, than Brian Rust at the National Hockey League level. The pride of Omaha, Nebraska. Give me Jake Gensel. I feel like Jake Gensel, sneakily, you know, he gets a little feisty down there in the, in the net front. He can take a hit. Feels like he can put him back and, and hit those cups on the first try. So give me Jake Gensel as my first pick of this draft. I mean, apparently he's, he was, there was a couple penguins at this, at this event with Justin Thomas. And apparently Jake Gensel was the only other one that got named. Yeah. That so makes everyone a lot of else sense. is, so everyone else is up in the air. We don't know who else was there. Yeah. We can guess all we want. We don't know. Uh, as part of that story on, I think it's called the smiley show or something like that. Yeah. Uh, it was the first episode of that podcast. Jake Gensel was the only other penguin to be named to have been there. That makes a lot of sense. I, I wouldn't be shocked if Jake Gensel is a yearly participant in Sidney Crosby's golf trip. I wouldn't be shocked either. So another thing you want on your team when it comes to... Also, I like your choice, though. Another thing you want on your team, especially when it comes to drinking games, you want your boys. You want your buddies. Right? That's what you want. Okay. Who are I gotta you friends take, with? I'm friends with none of them. But, I, <laughs> but if I already have Brian Russ on my team, I have to uh, then take what I felt it's spending time in the locker room this year was his best friend on the team, and that's Jason Zucker. They had stalls almost right next right next to each other. Josh Archibald was the uh, the man that had to sit in between them. But uh, those two went back and forth, bickering at each other most of the season. It was kind of fun, in the fun way. Jason Zucker also did go to college. He went to Denver. I uh, don't know for how long, though, but um, just for the, uh, for, the, for the chemistry, for the chemistry of the team, mm-hmm. I'm taking... Uh, Jason Zucker with my second choice. I mean, that makes sense because Jason Zucker, lest we forget, spent a little bit of his childhood growing up in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, too. Do they party in Las Vegas, Nevada? Uh, you tell me. Uh, Well, yeah, I guess uh, it, with my experience. Uh, yes, you know, there is. So the Vegas kid that went to Denver. Yeah, I think you're you're in pretty safe hands with Rust and Zucker on there. And, you know. With that being said, it doesn't just have to be somebody that went to college in my eyes. And I understand that this player, I believe, did go to college. But when I look at somebody that's going to be successful in a drinking game, I try to look at, are they successful in other backyard sports? Are they successful in other things kind of similar to that kind of niche activities? Casey DeSmith's really good at disc golf. That's a, yeah. Something tells me. That if you're good at disc golf, because listen, I fancy myself somebody that's pretty good at cornhole. Which means I'm also pretty good at pong. Like, that's the thing. So if Casey Smith's good at disc golf, maybe that transfers over. And listen, let's not also forget, he's balling out at the World Championships right now. USA is 6-0, and zero, and they're leading Group A. So he's a baller. He's a yeah. gamer. And while he might not be able to stop a puck as a starting goaltender in the National Hockey League... 
I think he'll be able to flip a cup for me. So give me Chris Letang as my second pick. So I got Gensel, or sorry, Gensel, Casey DeSmith. So I like that choice as well. And there's another side nuance to this choice that I'm going to throw at you. Uh, James Holtzauer, Jeopardy James, tossed out that he met Sidney Crosby at the NHL Awards. Mm -hmm. I believe it was 2019. I just had to look up which year he was there. Um, And Sid uh, Sid said that the guys watched Jeopardy in the locker room. First of all, I didn't know those TVs turned off of NHL Network or the Golf Channel. Uh, Secondly, that did draw up a a good question of who would be the best Jeopardy player uh, on the team. My thought, I don't know why I jumped to Casey DeSmith, because he went, he did go to college. I forget the school off the top of my head. I could pull it up. Um, but he also just seems like like a smart guy who would know things. Uh, Josh Yoey also said Casey DeSmith, so there was that. But, uh, I mean, outside of Casey DeSmith, I would say Drew O'Connor because of the Ivy League, right? The Ivy League kid? Yeah. Smart kid. I mean, the thing about Jeopardy, though, it is more than just knowing things. It is a little strategy. Um, and that's where I like Casey DeSmith. I like him for your choice as well because that was going to be my next choice. Now you made me think a little bit. Mm. Um, but that's perfectly okay because, like I said, I might take off the board. I might not go with a college guy, and I'm not going to here. I'm going to go with a go with a man who just has that dog in him. Uh you're not you're because you're not going to yell at him. You're not you're going to be a little intimidated by Evgeny Malkin staring you down, right? <laughs> you're going to be a little intimidated yeah. by the veteran leader of. He's not even Russian. He's he's a Soviet technically. He's born in the USSR, staring you down. You know he doesn't have beer in that cup. <laughs> you know it's Stoli or something slammed back, just eyeing you in the face. I don't know how good he is at this game, but he at least has the intimidation factor. You lead off with him. He's the lead oh, guy, is that, right? Is that is that the lead guy? <laughs> He's my lead guy. See, I would leave him as the anchor because then whoever the anchor is on the other team has to stare into his soul while everybody else mm-hmm. goes. That's fair. That makes it very difficult. <clears throat> By the way, Casey DeSmith went to the University of New Hampshire. New Hampshire. So, I knew uh, it was if, one if of those New that, England states. If you had that on your bingo card, you are a winner. Uh, but I'm glad you didn't take the guy that I accidentally I, I kind of gave out my third pick by saying it when I was talking about Casey DeSmith. Uh, but my third pick, for the very similar reasons as your third pick, didn't go to college. But this guy just seems like a competitive monster. And everything he does, he is the best at. That's Chris Letang. There's not many people more competitive in this world than Chris Letang. I want that guy on my team. Now, the problem is, if I screw up and yep. cost Chris Letang a loss... I'm going to be afraid. Similar to, I'm sure, your feeling about Evgeny Malkin. He'll probably look at you and be like, come on, man. (laughs) Why can't you be as good at this as me? But no, I like Chris Letang on this just because I feel like everything he does, he puts 100% effort in. So, you know what? The party might be at 7. 7 is very early. The party might be at like 10 o'clock. He's going to get there about 5 o'clock. He's going to be flipping cups. He's going to be taking reps. He's going to be ready for when that moment finally comes to him. And he's going to hit it on the first try. He's so I got shooter rest. shot Jake Gensel. I got the man of many talents, Casey DeSmith. And I got the workhorse in Chris Letang. And then there's me who hopefully won't screw the rest of them up too bad. I like my team, Horwat. I like my team that I've put together here. It's, the, the thing is about this, there is no bad team, right? Like there's not a non-fun team at least. That's true. You know you're about to have a good time in this uh, whole 
uh, fully created scenario. Um, that I mean, hell, you know, I got the the Zucker and Russ brothers, if you will. Uh, that, yeah, you, got, you got the Penguins' second line, is what you have. Ah, oh, you're, you're damn right, <laughs> I do. <laughs> Look at the chemistry between the three of them. Now it's just working out perfectly. Yeah, now they're just now they're just fitting you into that, and you're like, all right, how does this work? Uh, we add another element in. Can can we can we figure that out? Now, if there Mike was an, keeping me there no matter what. Yeah. Oh yeah. If there was an <laughs> alternate position, I would say for like either team, I would vote Mark Friedman for some reason. Oh, forgot about him. Yeah. I feel like Mark Friedman is just the perfect name to have in that scenario. He is the main character. He's always the main character. So yes, that's that's a very good choice. Um, give me an alternate. Uh, you, I might have to go off the board again and say like a a, a Ryan Paling. I thought you were gonna say like give me Todd Reardon. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I I think uh, yeah, Ryan Paling is a good choice. Just the mm-hmm. younger the younger youthful energy that um maybe he's got that underrated skill you didn't realize was there mm-hmm. oh there it is he's 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 doing the thing as an alternate yeah i like ryan paling as a choice too there you go well those are our teams not that they really mean anything for anything but if if listen if those eight players would like to engage in a game of <laughs> flip cup to see which would be better just hit us up we'll make it we'll make arrangements there will be only far or five far Four or five cameras, just because content purposes have to have to use that. And then uh, we'll, we'll get it together. But no, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you guys for tuning in and just bearing through the absurdity, because that's where we're at right now. There is one story, and, and we cannot talk about one story for 55 minutes. Um, well, we could, but we could, <laughs> but save you, know. you the uh, save you the headache, because <laughs> trust me, it'll all be over soon. Hopefully by Thursday, we can just sit down and discuss start talking Why? about personnel decisions and who whatever yeah. the general manager is might go after because historically that's the type of player they'd go after right now historically the type of player that the current general manager would go after is probably me and that's probably not a good thing you know the team will lose 17 straight seasons uh, if, if if they sign me but I'll be very happy because I'll have uh, that contract to live off of but that's going to do it for this episode of the tip of the iceberg you can tell it's getting absurd here so we're going to say goodbye for this one we'll see you guys next time